Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello everyone, here's a new episode of the podcast. It's a two-parter about punctuation. In this first part, I'm talking about the importance of punctuation in general, teaching you the names of various punctuation symbols, and also doing a review of a cool punctuation reference book that someone sent me recently. And yes, I do think it's possible to have a cool book about punctuation. Um, As you might be able to hear, I don't know if you can tell, but as you might be able to hear, I do have a bit of a blocked up nose at the moment. So apologies for that. I've just got a bit of a cold at the moment, but I'm fine. Thanks for asking. Even if you didn't ask, I'm just assuming that you did ask. Are you okay, Luke? Your voice sounds a bit funny. Yeah, just I'm just getting over a cold, but I'm absolutely fine. As you know, this podcast is supported by sponsorship. Sponsorship sort of allows me to do these free episodes. And this episode is sponsored by Cambly, which is an alternative to italki for having conversations and lessons with native English speakers online. There are loads of teachers on Cambly who can give you English lessons focusing on specific areas, language skills or certain subjects. If you, for example, if you just have a quick look at their website, you can see profiles of teachers who you can book lessons with. Their teachers come from the UK, Australia, Canada, the United States. So if we just have a look, there is, for example, Jade, who can help you with reading and writing skills. Colm, who specialises in teaching intermediate students. Evelyn, who likes having conversations and doing lessons about travel and culture. There's Kay, who specialises in aviation. So you've got lots of teachers for various needs and preferences. Mishka, who does business English. Michael, who does TOEFL and IELTS preparation. Another Michael, who likes doing lessons about science. Uh, and Also, you can see some of the quite well-known online English teachers, people you might know from YouTube. Uh, you can see some of these people on their website, like Rachel from Rachel's English and Gabby from Go Natural English. So there's something for everyone, it seems. So have a look. You might find the right person for you. Um, and Cambly have various plans Um, depending on the number of minutes you want to talk for each time and how many lessons you want every week. Their prices are competitive and you can see on their website that they're offering a few discounts for you. It's actually very simple. There's no need to do Skype or Zoom. Just download the free Cambly app on your computer or phone and that's all you need. And so what are Cambly offering to you because you listen to this? Well, Cambly are offering all my listeners... 10 free minutes of talking time. And that's 10 minutes that you can use at any time without reservation. Just a couple of clicks and you're in. You're talking to a native speaker. Uh, And they've tried to make it as simple and as direct as possible for you. You can also take your time if you want and prepare an organised lesson programme if that's what you prefer. So to sign up and to get your free 10 minutes, just go to teacherluke.co.uk slash Cambly that's C-A-M-B-L-Y, and use the ambassador code TEACHERLUKE at checkout. 
You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, folks. In this episode, I'm going to talk about punctuation. Yes, that's right, punctuation. Don't get too excited. Just calm down. Punctuation is the, is the topic. I know this is exciting, a glamorous subject. Actually, I'm being, I'm joking there. I'm sort of being sarcastic, but um, actually, I do think punctuation is an interesting thing. You might, you might think punctuation. That sounds boring. No, you're wrong. It's not boring at all. In fact, if you're serious about English, punctuation is something that you really should pay attention to. Okay, so I'm going to talk about punctuation. Teach you the names of uh, most of the main punctuation symbols we use when writing. Uh, I'm going to explain the rules and uses of some bits of punctuation, uh, namely the apostrophe, um, uh, the apostrophe, comma, and full stop. I'll be talking about those things. And also, I'll be doing a review of a book about punctuation that you might be interested in purchasing. So this is an episode of an audio podcast about punctuation, which is a completely visual system. So this might be a bit ambitious, and there will be times when I'm trying to describe punctuation symbols, so I expect there'll be some bits of descriptive language there to to look out for, as well as just loads of commentary, and also uh, a book review from me. Okay, so first, what is punctuation? Well, just in case you don't know, punctuation means all the symbols we use to perform various functions when writing. This means things like full stops, commas, apostrophes, and things like that. I don't often talk about writing on this podcast. The focus is usually on on speaking, listening, vocab, bits of grammar, pronunciation, and of course, just talking about various topics in order to help expose you to loads of English through audio, like I talked about in the last episode about the importance of listening in your learning of English. That was a long sentence, wasn't it? Anyway, the point is I don't normally talk about writing. Normally I talk about other things. Uh, Writing can be difficult to teach in an audio podcast, and that's one of the reasons I don't talk about it that much. But I'd like to deal with it sometimes, if it's possible. And punctuation is actually one of those areas of writing that often doesn't get taught. Uh, but it's a really important part of writing. I mean, it often doesn't get taught, I mean, in like uh, language, English language classrooms, when you're learning English as a foreign language. Punctuation is one of those sort of things that, I don't know if, if it's not really, it doesn't really feature in many of the uh, course books that most people use. Uh, but it, it's really important. First of all, it's something that a lot of learners of English need to work on. In my experience as a teacher, I've seen plenty of issues relating to it in my students' work, and this includes basic things like just not putting full stops at the end of sentences, or getting confused about the difference between a plural S and a possessive S, um, and whether or not there should be an apostrophe. So there are certain basic errors that you really should avoid. In fact, this this is not just for learners of English. Um, Native speakers of English uh, often make mistakes with apostrophes in particular. And I'll be talking about that uh, in in the episode. Also, learning about punctuation can really help your grammar. The more you understand punctuation, 
the more you understand the way sentences are constructed and the more you're able to then get control over those things. So basically learning about pronunciation helps you to write better and that is just one of the things that you have to deal with if you'd like to get a proper grip on this language. Also, there's that famous quote which you've probably seen in memes like, you know, um, shared on online. There's that famous quote which illustrates perfectly the importance of punctuation. And this is a quote which I'm going to say now, but it only works visually. So I'm going to say it and then explain it. So if I just say it, it's not going to make any diff, you know, it's not going to make any sense, but it only works visually and it demonstrates the importance of using punctuation properly. So the, the meme is this punctuation the difference between knowing your shit and knowing your shit okay so let me just explain that punctuation colon the difference between knowing your shit so knowing your that's the possessive pronoun your y-o-u-r knowing your shit which means knowing your stuff like knowing uh knowing things knowing you Knowing your shit, you know your shit, which is a, a kind of a, you know, a rude and inf- and slang way to say you know uh, things, you know about your subject. Okay, like if I was a, if I was a really, really kind of, if I was that kind of English teacher, if I was like, okay, today we're going to learn about grammar, right? And you, you know your shit, yeah? Like you know, you know your subject. Okay. Anyway, that's knowing your shit. Okay, like, hey, uh, 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 you might say, hey, Luke really knows his shit. Like, that's what my students obviously say to each other. Oh, in Luke, Luke's grammar lesson today was pretty good. Yeah, he really knows his shit. So that's the expression to know your shit, meaning to know about your subject. So punctuation is the difference between knowing your shit and knowing your shit. So that's knowing your, spelt Y-O-U, apostrophe R-E, that's your, knowing your shit, which means knowing you are shit. So it's the difference between knowing your subject and knowing that you are terrible. I think this is the difference. So if you, the joke is, here I am explaining another joke. Um, the, 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 um, the joke is that if you use pronunciation badly, then you know that you are shit. Whereas if you use pronunciation correctly and you know your subject, then you know you know your shit, man. You really know your, what you're talking about or writing about. Okay, that was me uh, on in, in the form of audio explaining a purely visual joke. Um, if you're on the website for this episode, if you're on the page for this episode on my website, you'll see that um, meme there uh, on the page, so you'll know uh, what I'm talking about. So... Yeah, punctuation is important. Uh, Actually, my next question here in my notes is, is punctuation always important? I think I've just answered that. Well, I would say that punctuation is always important if you want to be clear and correct, which I assume you want to be. Um, Who would want to be vague and wrong? Nobody, I think. I think everyone wants to be clear and correct. So if that's you, then punctuation is important. Uh, another question, does punctuation change depending on the situation or the type of writing we're doing? Okay, so just some more commentary on punctuation here before we get into uh, the book review I talked about and teaching you some punctuation symbols and stuff. So does punctuation change depending on the situation? Well, obviously, the more formal you're writing, the more important punctuation becomes. 
If you're writing external business correspondence, legal contracts, letters of application to university, academic essays and so on, that kind of formal stuff, then punctuation is going to be a a big consideration for you because you have to pay very close attention to the clarity of your writing. And you should be Pay, you know, you should be thinking very carefully about every sentence, how you're constructing it, how you're constructing the whole paragraph, and punctuation is a big part of that. But what about informal writing? What do, what do you mean by informal writing, Luke? Well, I'm talking about things like text messaging, commenting on websites and forums and stuff, and um, emailing your your friends or emailing close uh, like colleagues that you work with in the same company. What about informal writing? Some people might say that you don't need to worry about punctuation in things like emails to your friends or work colleagues that you know well, or in text messages and comments online and stuff. Arguably, there is a different set of conventions for these things. But I still think that punctuation is really important, even in informal writing like that. And to an extent, you still need to know how punctuation works in order to know when not to use it, if you know what I mean. Perhaps some of the rules are a bit different when doing informal writing. For example, I think it's normal when having a text chat with a friend, if you're just chatting on WhatsApp or something, it's quite normal not to put full stops at the end of your sentences. In fact, I think the way that we use full stops in text messages has changed recently. I mean, if you're having a chat, you might leave the full stops out of your final sentences as a way of showing to the person you're chatting to that the conversation is still open. You see, for me, a full stop at the end suggests, like, that's it. You know, that's the end of the conversation, you know, suggesting this chat is over. Right? That's a subtle thing, but I think it's true. And I think that most people don't really think about that, but... I think it's true that in our text chats, a full stop at the end has a sort of sense of like, that's it, we've finished now. Um, Some people are sensitive to that, some people aren't. But anyway, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here already about this idea of full stops at the end of sentences in text messages. But here's an article I found, I just found from The Independent, which I think is interesting. The article is called, The Text Message You Should Never Send written by Rachel Feltman, published in December 2015. The text message you should never send, which is kind of a, a bit of a clickbaity title, really. The sort of title that is designed to just make you click on the article. But there's an interesting point uh, to be taken from the article anyway. Basically, this article is talking about how putting full stops at the end of sentences in text messages looks unfriendly and insincere, And this is backed up by research from Birmingham University, right? Putting a full stop at the end of a sentence in a text message seems to be unfriendly and even insincere. Hmm. Now, let's have a bit of a read of the article. You'll find the link on the page for this episode. Let's have a read for the article. And then when we're done, we'll we'll just get straight back to the point, as it were, or full stop in this case. Ha, ha, ha. Little joke there that's... uh, uh, there's no need to <laughs> no need to dwell on uh, anyway so the independent article uh, Rachel fell oh what happened to the article I clicked the wrong thing here we go the text message you should never send study confirms that ending your text in a full stop is terrible well, it's not that bad it's not terrible but Rachel Feltman wrote this in 2015 
And it goes like this. Ending your texts with a full stop is truly monstrous. Oh, come on. That's an, that's an exaggeration. We all know this. Okay, you're being humorous, Rachel. I see. Ending your text with a full stop is truly monstrous. Oh, we all know this. Grammar be damned. It just doesn't look friendly. All right. Now a study has confirmed it. Researchers led by Birmingham University's Celia Klin report that text messages ending with a full stop or period in American English are perceived uh, as being less sincere, probably because the people sending them are heartless. Oh, my God. I mean, if you it sounds extreme, but if you really, really get to the bottom of what punctuation does it does create a certain feeling. It does create a certain tone. And this is something we need to be aware of. And certainly in the in the medium of text messaging, uh, little details like putting a full stop at the end or not can change the general feel of, of uh, the writing that you're doing. Quote, uh, text messaging is one of the most frequently used computer-mediated communication methods. The rapid pace of texting mimics face-to-face communication, meaning it's kind of like similar to -to face-to-face communication, leading to the question of whether the critical non-verbal aspects of conversation, such as tone, are expressed in computer-mediated communication. It's a really good point, actually, that in face-to-face communication, we have all these other non-verbal things that basically we use to help the other person interpret what we're saying. It's uh, well, there's verbal stuff, obviously the words we're using, but also the tone of voice, your intonation, stressing certain words and stuff like that. But also it's the expression on your face, your body language and, you know, the position of, of your hands and, and stuff like that. Obviously, if you if you stick your, you know, if you hold your fist in someone's face like that, that probably means that you're angry. And if you don't, it, you know, if you say, uh, did you eat the last slice of the uh, did you eat the last slice of pizza? So if you do it like that, and I'm holding my eyebrows up and sort of maybe smiling and trying to keep my f- face look kind of open and friendly. Did you eat the last uh, piece, slice of pizza? Which suggests, I don't mind, it's no problem. Whereas, did you eat the last slice of pizza? Uh, like that, like with a angry expression. That's what we're talking about when we say non-verbal clues. But in text messaging, you don't have any of those things. I mean, we... You know, we're we're finding ways of dealing with it. We've got uh, emojis, you know, emoticons, smileys, and stuff, which are relatively new. But I mean, this is those arguably are different new forms of punctuation, you could say. But forgetting about the smileys and stuff, we've got you know punctuation. That's the purpose of punctuation is to try and help the other person interpret the tone or certain things uh, in what you're saying. So. Uh, this is the, the researchers uh, from Birmingham University involved in this study said this, that, uh, uh, you know, texting is similar to face-to-face communication, but we don't have those non-verbal aspects um, to, to express tone. Um, to test whether the full stop had become a social cue within the context of computer-mediated conversation, the researchers presented a small group um, with a series of exchanges framed as either text messages or handwritten notes. As in the example above, and there is an example at the top which I can't see very well because of the way the page is laid out, but uh, it's basically like this. This is an example that uh, Rachel Feltman has given, and it's like a text conversation. And it goes, so are we still up for, for, for drinks 
uh, later. Are we still up for drinks later? And the other person goes, yeah, that's fine. But it's, yeah, that's fine, full stop, which feels like, yeah, that's fine. If without the full stop, it would be like, yeah, that's fine. But with the full stop, it feels like, yeah, that's fine. And also sounds good. Like meaning that I don't want to talk to you anymore. Like I'm too busy doing something else. So yeah, fine. But I don't want to talk any further. It's what it feels like with a full stop. So it's like, so are we still up for drinks uh, later? Yeah, that's fine. I was thinking maybe the place that just opened up down the street from me, they've got an espresso martini. Yeah, sounds good. I can't wait until I can't wait to see you. Okay. Huh? When it should be. Are we still up for drinks? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, maybe we go to that new place. Yeah, it sounds good. Right, just those full stops can affect the tone of the um of the uh, of the uh, English that you're using. And this is not just sort of people overanalyzing it. I think it's true. It's just people even subconsciously read the, you know, it makes a difference. So, as in the example I just gave, the experimental messages featured an invitation followed by a brief reply. When that reply was followed by a full stop or period, subjects or the people involved in the study rated the response as less sincere or less sort of uh, emotionally engaged than when no punctuation was used. The effect wasn't present in handwritten notes. This only seems to be the case in electronic texting. (laughs) Electronic texting. Check me out. From 1995. Uh, According to Klin, I guess the researcher, and her fellow researchers, that's an indication that the text message full stop has taken on a life of its own. It's no longer just the correct way to end a sentence. It's an act of psychological warfare against your friends. Whoa, steady on. It's hyperbole, isn't it? Exaggeration. Anyway, in follow-up research that hasn't yet been published, they saw signs that exclamation points, that's like a vertical line with a dot at the bottom, exclamation points, which is like, you know, if you write, hey, exclamation point. So uh, in further research, uh, which hasn't been published, uh, they saw signs that exclamation points, which used to be sort of considered to be rather vulgar punctuation marks, these may make your messages seem more sincere than no punctuation at all. So if you, in your text messages, if you end with exclamation marks, that sort of makes you seem more sincere because you're being more enthusiastic. Whereas if you just put a full stop, it can make you seem like you don't care. Interesting, isn't it? Texting is lacking many of the social cues used in actual face-to-face conversations. When speaking, people easily convey social and emotional information with eye, gaze, facial expressions, tone of voice, pauses, and so on. Clint said in a statement, and I'm still reading from the Independence article here, this is Clint's quote, people obviously can't use these mechanisms when they're texting. Thus, it makes sense that texters rely on what they have available to them, emoticons, deliberate misspellings that mimic speech sounds, and, according to our data, punctuation. It's no surprise that language is evolving in weird and potentially scary ways, because language has always done that. Just chalk this one up to human ingenuity. Even when we can't talk face-to-face, we will always find ways to be jerks to one another. We'll always find ways to be 
sort of shitty to each other, it seems, somehow, in this case, by putting full stops at the end of sentences. I think that's probably unintentional. I can imagine someone, like, writing their text messages and thinking, well, I have to put a full stop at the end of the sentence, but not really realising that the person receiving that text gets this sense that the person wants closure on the conversation. So, anyway, take heed, members of the pre-computer-mediated conversation generations which is basically like saying listen up to those of you who are older listen up to older people if you insist on grammatical correctness in your texts you might suffer consequences okay well a slight tangent here about um what is it uh, a slight tangent about full stops in text messages and whether or not punctuation rules or standards or conventions change depending on the type of writing you're doing. Um, uh, but basically, punctuation is important. Knowing when or when not to use it is an important skill to master. And if you're serious about improving your written English, and I'm not just talking about texts and comment sections, but I'm talking about academic writing and emailing and stuff. You've got to get punctuation right. It makes a huge difference to the impression you give to people reading your emails, essays, reports, or whatever it is that you're writing, even your text messages or website comments. It's all about getting more control over your communication, uh, which is what it's all about, isn't it? That's what this is all about. We're all about trying to uh, control our communication uh, better. So think of punctuation being to writing what pronunciation and body language are to speaking. When we speak, we use lots of different ways to add interpretation to our words. We use stress and intonation to give emphasis and tone. And we use our faces and hands too. Uh, We use our hands, you know. At this point, my Italian listeners are saying, yes, Luke, we know all about using our hands to uh, communicate. Thank you. Oh, a little racial stereotype there just for fun. Italian people. Well, it's true, actually, especially when asking a question. That's the thing in Italy. The main thing is, you know, they do that thing, which in the for the rest of the world, it's like, let's have a let's eat something. Mm-mm, do you want to go and eat? But uh, in, in Italy, they, um, they do that when they're asking a question. You know what I mean? Russell Peters, the, com- the Canadian comedian, um, makes a funny joke about that, that the Italians always do this with their hands. And for the rest of the, you know, for Indian people, it's like, let's go and eat, you know. Ha ha ha. Hilarious. <laughs> so let's get back on track here. Do you know the words for all the punctuation symbols in English? Do you know how to use them properly? The plan in this episode, like I said at the start, uh, nearly 20 minutes ago, because um, this still feels like the introduction, The plan is to teach you the words for some punctuation marks and symbols that we use when writing, to explain the rules and uses of these bits of punctuation. And also, I'll be doing a a review of a book about punctuation that you might be interested in purchasing. About the book I just mentioned, right? So part of this episode is a book review. About that book, let me say just a, a few things about it before we start. Right, so you're now going to hear me describing this book, which I actually have in my hands. Can you hear this? That's the book. The pages are very thick, so it doesn't make that normal fluttering sound when you flick through it. But anyway, I've got the book in my hands. So you're now going to hear me describing this book. Um, Watch out for the language I'm using to describe it. 
You can read a lot of this, by the way. A lot of the things I'm saying you can read uh, on the transcript for this episode, which is available free uh, on my website. Yes, just find the page for this episode on the website and you can read a lot of the things I'm saying. So if you hear me using certain words or phrases that you didn't catch, head over to teacherluke.co.uk and find the page for this episode. The script is there for you to read or just to skim for for vocabulary. So the book, it's uh, it's called punctuation dot dot. It's actually dot dot question mark, two dots and a question mark. These things are important considering we're talking about pronunciation. So the book is called punctuation um, dot dot question mark. So how do I say that? Is that punctuation or is that punctuation? Hmm. Like I don't know exactly how to say that. Punctuation. Hmm. Or punctuation? I think it's punctuation. Hmm? <laughs> punctuation dot dot question mark by user design. Um, a while ago, I was contacted by a listener to this podcast. So this book was uh, made by someone who listens to my podcast. Um, as far as I remember, I think the person's a listener. I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure. So a while ago, I was contacted by a listener to this podcast who is an author, illustrator, designer, and publisher. Yes, all of those things, all at the same time. He's published a book about punctuation in English. And he offered to send me a copy of the book in return for a little review of it on the podcast. I thought it could be a good opportunity to talk about punctuation, to teach you my listeners, some of the words for punctuation marks and to give comments about punctuation rules. So I accepted to do the review. It's uh, it's a good deal for everyone. I think you can hear me talk about punctuation and perhaps learn some things. I get a copy of the book and the author gets a bit of publicity. So the book is called Punctuation or Punctuation or Punctuation, hmm? like a raised eyebrow at the end. And the author goes by the, 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 author goes by the name User Design which is actually a service or business name that he's using. So let's call him Mr. User Design. Okay, all right, fine. User or Mr. User Design. So it's actually a company that produced the book called User Design. Actually, the full name of this guy's company is User Design, Illustration and Typesetting. A quick look on their website, which is userdesignillustrationandtypesetting.com. A quick look on the website shows that they provide various services. And I quote from their website, We offer a complete graphic communication design, illustration and production service from books to websites to many other printed and electronic items. So clearly, uh, these people are involved in uh, media, producing websites, um, design, illustration. And so, you know, no doubt punctuation is something that they know a lot about considering it's an important part of presenting communication in the form of written English. Uh, you can check out their website. I said it before, user design illustration and typesetting.com. It's a nice looking website. Mr. Design, Mr. User Design clearly has an eye for a functional design aesthetic, which I like. So one of their products is this handy guide for, uh, for punctuation. They've got a few books on that they, they uh, have published, but one of them is this handy guide for punctuation, which I have in my hand. It's a pretty slim book with a clear contents page 
where you can see all the main punctuation marks that you should know about with page numbers as you would expect, showing you the relevant pages where, where the, all of the rules uh, for, or, or at least sort of conventions for using those punctuation symbols are explained. So it's a nice, clear contents page. Uh, uh, it's all very minimal and clear. But this isn't just a, this isn't just a boring reference book. Um, one of the first things you notice uh, when you open it is that it contains lots of uh, cartoon illustrations to keep things interesting and fun. Okay, so there's lots of these kind of cartoons and illustrations uh, which appear to be drawn by hand. Um, now they say you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Do you know that saying? Don't judge a book by its cover. People say this is a famous saying, which means that you shouldn't judge a person by their appearance. But in the case of books, I actually have no idea how you're supposed to judge a book before you've read it. I mean, how you, how do you judge a book? If you want, if you're in a bookshop and you're looking through the books, like, and you want to buy a new book to read, how are you, how else are you supposed to judge a book if you haven't read it? You you can only use the cover to judge it, can't you? So you've got no choice. You have to judge a book by its cover. Um, so judging it, judging a book by its cover is pretty much the only thing you can do, isn't it? I think. I mean, I suppose you can flick through the book and maybe read the first few pages. But if you're standing there in a bookshop reading a book, you know, the the person behind the counter might start to get a bit peeved after a while. Um, so anyway, they say don't judge a book by its cover, but I, I'm going to judge this book by its cover first. I suppose the point is with that phrase is that you're probably supposed to go with personal recommendations so I'm going to judge this book by its cover so that you don't have to. Um, so anyway, let's judge this book by its cover. The front cover is very minimal. It's black and white. Uh, there is the title punctuation. Hmm? Uh, the author, user design, is written there. And then there's a cartoon illustration of two people apparently communicating with each other. So that's it. Just the title user design and a little illustration and that's it on a white background using black text and ink uh ink yeah i guess um so the cartoon is two people apparently communicating with each other the one on the left is a girl holding her hand out as if she's saying something and the one on the right is a guy kind of scratching his head with it with his other hand in the air and it looks like he's a bit confused all right so i guess this is supposed to illustrate people communicating the illustrations are simple sketches done with a pen, I think, maybe done online or maybe done on a computer, but it looks like just pen, like line drawings done with a with a, a, a pen. They're quirky pictures, sort of, they look a bit funny, sort of quirky, dude, almost like doodles, thin lines. They look, at, yeah, they look a bit like doodles, but they're quite funny. There isn't anything else on the front. Now, I reckon... Most people would not really know what to make of that. They, they look at that and they think, hmm, that's a bit, what's, what's this? Well, maybe there would be two reactions to people looking at this book. One reaction would be probably, oh, this looks kind of quirky and cool. It's a sort of hip book about punctuation. And some other people might think, well, this doesn't look serious enough. And I don't know, you know, I don't know why these people are standing there like that. What does that have to do with punctuation? That's what some people might think. Anyway, that's just the front cover, though. 
if you look inside, and I haven't talked about the back cover yet, but I will in a minute. If you look inside and actually read all the pages, it's clear that this is a uh, clear and simple guide to what the different punctuation symbols are and how they're used. But I reckon most people would expect something a bit more academic, like your average dictionary or reference book, probably. I'll be going into the review of the book properly in a, in a, in a bit. Let's turn the book over. and On the back cover, you've got some text explaining the book, as usual, as you'd normally get, and another cartoon illustration. I'm going to read the text to you, and it goes like this. Punctuation hmm, explains the functions and correct uses of 21 of the most used punctuation marks. It's humorous, fully illustrated, using real-life scenarios, and is for a wide age range, from young to ageing, and intelligence uh, range, from emerging to expert. Uh, Emerging intelligence. I like that. I guess that means, you know, for... Stupid to clever people, or from young to old. It's supposed to appeal to everyone. This book is all, This book also makes an ideal gift, birthday present, or special occasion gesture. So, what is punctuation in the real world, and why find out about it? Well, punctuation can help you write and communicate more clearly. If people better understand what it is you're saying or trying to communicate to them, it's more likely that they'll either consider your effort to do what you intend. All right, did I say that correctly? Punctuation can help you write and communicate more clearly. Full stop, I would say. If people better understand what it is you're saying or trying to communicate to them, it's more likely that they will either consider your effort or do what you intend. Basically, if you use punctuation correctly, people are going to understand what you're saying better and you're going to be more persuasive, um, I suppose. Punctuation is also a bit like timing, structure and composition in music, dot, dot, dot. Um, and so that's me reading the back cover. And, and that's great. That's nice and clear. Tells us what we can expect from the book. So what about the picture? Because it, it does say punctuation is a bit like sort of um, certain things, certain functions in music. And then we have a picture which represents the connection between sort of punctuation and music or how they could be similar. Uh, so let me describe the illustration on the back. The illustration on the back shows some kind of nightclub or party with a dreadlocked DJ spinning records on his decks. And there are funny people, funny looking people dancing, doing different sort of dance moves and stuff. Um, and, uh, you can see, but it's, you actually have to look pretty carefully. It's not obvious at first glance. You can see punctuation symbols coming out of the speakers and sort of flying out of the turntables where the DJ is spinning what I assume is some kind of awesome bass-heavy dancehall reggae or maybe some drum and bass or something. So the, uh, you can see punctuation symbols flying out of the record decks and flying out of the speakers. It's actually cool. It's a, it's a cool picture when you look at it and spend some time just having a look. It's, it looks cool. And it's a different way to do, to do a book about punctuation. But I reckon some people won't really get it, I, I would say. I like it. I wonder if everyone would like it. In my experience, people expect... Uh, they, they expect a more serious and academic feel uh, from this kind of thing. I remember once we had a publisher... We had a publisher come and visit the London School of English where I used to work. The publisher came to get feedback on some new dictionary designs. 
So he had dictionaries from different publishers and he asked us, or different, he had dictionary, uh, you know, a range of different dictionaries that had different sort of uh, designs on the front cover of each dictionary. And he asked us which ones we liked and which ones we thought learners of English would like. Okay, now we all liked... As teachers, we all liked the fresh-looking, minimal, modern-looking dictionaries. But he told us that the most popular ones with learners of English were the ones with slightly old-fashioned designs, older-looking fonts. I mean, sort of classical-looking fonts. I don't know all the correct words to describe fonts. Fonts, you mean, like uh, the, the typography. You know, when you're using Microsoft Word, you have all these different fonts like Arial and Helvetica and Times New Roman and Comic Sans MS and all those ones, all right? Um, So I don't know a lot about how to describe those fonts. I know there are words for the different types of font. But um, anyway, I think I'm talking about serif fonts, probably, those ones that look a bit more old-fashioned. So basically, learners felt like they trusted dictionaries that looked older, more formal, more established, more old-fashioned, with words like Oxford and Cambridge, and perhaps even symbols featuring old buildings and things on them. Also, darker colours were more popular. Okay, so that's it seems to be that learners of English prefer that kind of feel to uh, a dictionary or grammar book or something. So that's That's all probably because those designs make the dictionaries look more serious and full of trustworthy information published by well-established institutions. Okay, so anyway, that's just what learners of English seem to like, but maybe most learners of English. I'm sure there are enough learners of English who are attracted by more quirky, more modern, more minimal designs. Anyway, so I'm just... I've already started my review here, but I'm saying this book might not give the right impression to some people. But on the whole, I think the content is mostly good and it certainly can tell you what you need to know about punctuation. And I like the book. Okay, so let's have a look at the contents page of the book. Some of you at this point will be craving a video or something for this. Maybe I'll record one just to show you the front and back, but it depends if I have time. We'll see. Actually, to be honest, considering the amount of time I've got at the moment, I don't know if I'll be able to do a video because uh, it takes ages. Oh, don't get me started on talking about videos and things. Anyway, I think you can probably just use your imagination though as you listen to this and just follow what I'm saying. And by the way, user design uh, has or have, is that a collective? Let's say have as if they're a group of people. User design have given me the me permission to use some images of the book from their website. So I'll probably add some of those images to the page for this episode on my website so you get an idea of what the book looks like. So have a look there to get an idea of the way the book looks and the illustrations I'm talking about, okay? Have a look on my website for the pictures of the book. Right, so the contents page Here are the things that the book covers. And this is where I'm going to read out the contents page and actually describe the different punctuation symbols and give their names. So this is the bit where you can learn the words that we use for the different punctuation symbols. Do you know all these words in English? They come in the uh, contents page. There's another illustration of a clock with uh, the hands of the clock pointing at different punctuation symbols. And then we've got a big list of all the punctuation symbols. To be honest with you, I mean, this book is quite thorough because it goes through 
all the punctuation symbols, the, the, the very common ones that we use every day, and also some really, really obscure ones that, to be honest, I never, ever use. I mean, I see them. You can see them on the computer keyboard and stuff. You see them sometimes. But, you know, some of those punctuation symbols you just never use and you don't even think about them. Uh, but they've got, almost all of them are here. And there are words here that I didn't know. So I've, you know, I've learned something from this book. Yes, that's right. Even Luke from Luke's English Podcast can learn things. Because I wasn't just born with knowledge. Uh, I wasn't just born knowing grammar, obviously. I have to say that because I swear, as an English teacher, if I ever admit to my class that there's something I don't know, even if it's not even related to the English language, there's always someone who's like, I can't believe you didn't know that. I don't have to know everything, you know. Anyway... In alphabetical order, we've got the apostrophe. So I'm, I'm going to have to try and describe these little symbols now. So bear with me as I struggle to do it. The apostrophe. Okay, first of all, let's say we've got um, the, the, on a line where there's text, okay, you've got, let's say, the, the top line, let's say a middle line and a bottom line. The bottom line is where, let's say, uh, the full stop would sit on the bottom line. At the end of a sentence, um, if you have a P or a G, the, the, the tail of the P or G drop below the bottom line. Okay, so that's what I mean by the bottom line. That's where you find a full stop. Then you've got the middle line, which is right in the middle of the of, of all the letters. And then the top line is the is the uppermost uh, position of that line for its. So for capital letters like the capital L that you see at the beginning of my name, Luke, the top of that L, that is uh, where you find the top line. So you've got the top line, the bottom line, and the middle line is just the, the line right in the, in the middle. So if you can imagine a line uh, where text is written, if it's written along a, a band, a line, let's imagine there are three positions, top, middle, and bottom. This is going to help me explain what these symbols look like. And if you like, you can look at a computer keyboard while you're doing this and see which ones I'm talking about. So the apostrophe, it's basically like a little dot on the top line with a little tail coming down, right? Like a comma, like a a comma, yeah, but at the top. And we we use the apostrophe in words like um, Luke's, Luke's English podcast, Luke apostrophe S. So that's the apostrophe. We've got brackets as well. Brackets, so, oh, <laughs> curved, they're like curved lines. They, they come in twos. Um, open brackets, closed brackets. They're like curved lines that you use to add extra information into a sentence, for example. Curved bracket, curved lines. The one on the left curves out to the left. The one on the right curves out to the to the right. Open brackets, closed brackets. There are different types of brackets. There are round ones, there are curly ones, and there are square ones. The round brackets are sometimes called parentheses, uh, and the curly brackets they're like they're like round brackets, kind of, but they've got like a little squiggle, a little point that sticks out. Okay, so they kind of go down and then whoo, out and back down and then down again. Huh? <laughs> right? You know what I mean? On my Apple Mac keyboard, you've got the letter P. Next to the letter P, you've got the uh, curly brackets uh, in the top position. Okay. And then you've got square brackets, which uh, on a keyboard, in my keyboard, and on my keyboard are underneath the, the squiggly curly brackets. 
Uh-huh. Those are called square brackets. If you put them together, it makes kind of like a little little box, a little sort of oblong box. Okay. Then we've got the colon, which is just two dots. It's kind of like a dot in the in the middle position, and then a, a directly beneath it, a dot in the in the bottom position. So two dots there. And that's a colon. We've got the comma, which is like a little dot with a tail, um, which sits in the bottom position. A comma, just like the way in the middle of a c- conditional sentence. You know, if I see you tomorrow, I'll I'll give you the pen. Uh, if I see you tomorrow, in the middle of that, there's probably a comma. All right. Uh, dash. Dash seems to be the word that we use for a horizontal line, okay, uh, in the middle position. And you can have like the sort of short dash or long dash. That's dash. Um, not in the middle of a word. We don't use the dash to connect parts of a word. You know, sometimes words have um, uh, several parts. For example, if it's uh, the word like well-known, a well-known person, well-known, the word well and the word known are connected with a, with a, uh, with a hyphen, in fact. But dash is different. It's a bit longer than a hyphen. You can have a, 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 short, a short dash and a long dash. The ellipsis is basically dot, 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 three little dots. That's called an ellipsis. You've got the exclamation mark, where if you put exclamation mark at the end of anything, it's like, wow, at the end. Or anger, like, it's either exclamation mark or exclamation mark. You know, if you put an exclamation mark at the end of a sentence. Like, if my if my podcast had an exclamation mark at the end, it would be, you're listening to Luke's English Podcast. You know, that's what exclamation marks do. Then you've got forward slash um, and you see these in any uh, URL, any kind of uh, uh, website address. It's the full URL is HTTPS colon forward slash forward slash. So we use forward slash in uh, website uh, addresses to divide the, the website address up. So forward slash. Then we've got full stop, which is, you know, for everyone knows, it comes at the end of a sentence. It's a little dot in the lower position. Then we've got, I don't know how to say this, Guillaume, Guillaume, I think maybe it's Guillaume, I think it's French, Uh, I'm going to just Google it, Um, hold on, let me pause so I can find out the pronunciation of this without you listening to me Googling something. Okay, well it's a French word originally, so I guess in French it's like Guillaume, but uh, in English it seems that we kind of anglicise the... um, we anglicise the, uh, the the word, and so it becomes like Guillemet or or Guillaume. Not a, a word that I use um, even ever. I never use this word. But Guillaume are basically like French um, um, French um, speech marks. It's like little chevrons, horizontal chevrons, uh, pointing to the left and right. Mm. You could you could say that they're a bit like uh, in maths you have uh, uh, lesser than and greater than symbols. It's a bit like that. It's like half a triangle. You know what I mean? Little arrows pointing to the left and right. A bit like that. Anyway, I don't wouldn't worry about it because in English we don't use them very much. Uh, then we've got hyphen, like I said, which is like a little dash, um, which is used to connect words together. 
interpunct, which is something I never use, and it's just a, it's like a full stop, but it's in the middle position. Um, then we've got uh, the, the pill crow, which is, I don't know how to describe this. Imagine like a, imagine a very tall door with a, uh, a, a guy with a, a black face poking his head around it. Now that's, oh, doesn't make any sense. Pilcrow. Pilcrow is the thing that when you're using Microsoft Word and you press a wrong button, you like, you, you, you do something wrong and suddenly all these weird symbols appear at the end of every paragraph in your text. And like, how do I get rid of these things? Like these little, little symbols at the end of every paragraph or maybe every time you press return, a pilcrow appears and you're like, how do I get rid of the pilcrows? That's a pilcrow. Okay. Uh, I wouldn't worry about that. You just Google Pilcrow, P-I-L-C-R-O-W, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And then we've got Primes, which are like little uh, marks. Oh, well, that's a that's a pretty uh, tricky one. A Prime is a bit like a, um, I guess it's a bit like an apostrophe, but it's not curled. It's just a little straight line kind of thing. And they, they're single and double Primes. Um, and then question mark. Well, we know it's uh, it always comes at the end of a question. In Spanish, I like the way in Spanish you have an upside down question mark at the beginning, as just in case there was any doubt. Like just to be clear, okay, guys, this is a question. Before you've even read it, I just wanted to be clear. This is a question. So I like that in Spanish the way they put question marks at the beginning and the end, just to be clear. Um, then you've got quotation marks. You know, if you quote what someone says, you might use single or double quotation marks around the quote in order to show this is what someone said. All right, that made sense. They could be single or double quotation marks. And then we have the semicolon, which is like a colon, you know, the two dots, but where the the first dot in the middle position and then directly underneath it, you have uh, a comma, basically. Okay, and that's a semicolon. There you go. Oh, that was quite difficult, uh, explaining um, punctuation symbols in an audio podcast. So, before we go further, and so I just read out the, the contents page from the book. Before we go further, before I give my full review of this this book about punctuation, let me just give you some punctuation rules. Now, I don't have time to go through every single punctuation symbol and explain their rules, so I'm just going to focus on a few things. Uh, to get the rest, you will need to get a copy of this book, Punctuation, by User Design, um, or one of the others on the market because other books are available of course also i should say that usually uh, these days i do this kind of language teaching that i'm about to do here normally i do this kind of thing in my premium episodes this time i've chosen to include this in a free episode but if you want more of this kind of thing like episodes where i focus specifically on teaching you language then check out my premium episodes and become a premium member at teacherluke.co.uk slash premium. Okay, we're going to stop the pod here. Actually, this episode will continue in part two, which should be uploaded very soon and might in fact be available for you now. In part two, I'm going to talk about some punctuation rules focusing on three very common bits of punctuation, apostrophes, full stops, and commas. I'll talk about how these symbols are used in writing. 
Um, I'll point out some common errors and how to avoid them, including the sorts of errors with punctuation that make native speakers really annoyed and angry when they see them, especially when they're, when they're done by other native speakers. So I'll talk about, anyway, some common mistakes and how to avoid them. And I'll finish my review of the punctuation book I've been talking about. Remember, on the page for this episode on my website, you'll find a pretty much full transcript for this episode. So you can check out, you know, you can check it out in case you heard me say something in particular and you kind of think, what was that word? You can skim through the transcript and kind of have a look at the language that has come up in the episode. Um, And... So you'll find that as well as pictures of the punctuation book and links for information if you're interested in buying it. Okay, so nothing more really to add here then except the usual suggestions that uh, you become a premium Lepster to gain access to the ever-growing library of episodes devoted to language teaching. Go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium for that. Also, you could consider checking out today's sponsor, Cambly, in order to find teachers for that all-important speaking practice and uh, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash Cambly, C-A-M-B-L-Y, to check it out and use my ambassador code, TeacherLuke, to get those 10 free minutes of conversation. Thank you for listening and supporting this podcast over the years. I received loads of nice messages for the 10th birthday of Luke's English Podcast recently. I'm very glad to have such a cool audience from around the world. I'll speak to you again in part two, but for now, goodbye. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar and pronunciation teaching from me and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.